You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Verbal poll question to start off this episode, Tuesday, July 27th, Just Baseball Show. I'm Jack. He's Peter. Katie Ledecky in the morning got a silver medal in the 400 free. Ariane Titmus won the gold. She then qualified for the final in the 200 free. And then later that day, just qualified first and set an Olympic record in the 1500 free. So what's more impressive, Katie Ledecky winning a silver medal and qualifying for a final in two other events in the same day, or us recording podcasts on back-to-back days? The correct answer is her. The funnier answer is us, because it takes us a while to research. We're doing top five managers. We got to go over the Adam Frazier deal. I mean, I'm typing away on my laptop. I guess it's cool that she's setting records and has gills and can breathe underwater, but my fingers cramp. Like it's sometimes hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, don't you have gills too? I wish, you know what I do have my juice today's <laughs> juice, apple, cucumber, celery, lemon, spinach, kale, parsley. I bet Katie Ledecky drinks these. You know who else probably drinks these? You see Adam Petey. Yeah, it is. Guy's a beast. He's a freak tank. He's like the Shohei Otani of swimming. Uh, Did you see the, I think he has the top 15, all of the best times in the history of swimming in the breaststroke or the butterfly? A hundred meter breast, I think. He's a fish. They're fish. It's cool. And how about the four by a hundred meter freestyle relay for the US too? I mean, Caleb Dressel is built like a freak of nature. He's so hot, bro. He's so hot. And his tattoos. Because yeah. we were watching it. We were watching it um, with a couple of our girlfriends and, and a couple of guys. And immediately, the woos, the ahs of Caleb Dressel. And I was one of them. I yeah. mean. He's also a freaky athlete. <laughs> I guess he's a good swimmer, too. But how about Zach Apple, the anchor, going 100 free in a 46-6? Like, that is crazy, blazing fast. Those guys are freaks of nature. No relation to me, though. He spelled no A-P-P-L-E, I'm A-P-P-E-L. People were getting us mixed up, my looks to his looks, yeah. but uh, we're not the same guy. He's yeah. he's better in the water. I podcast. He's, he's also got a bit more cardiovascular strength than you. Oh, do. that's not even on the same level. He's he. 
I can barely hold my breath for over 35 seconds just sitting here rather than him <laughs> holding it for two minutes in the water while swimming and beating records. You can breathe while you swim, you know, right? Well, they can. I can't. I haven't figured out how to, you know, when you, you do the, and my mom swam at Cornell. She was okay. a beautiful swimmer. I've always had trouble with breathing, you know, doing the head tilt yeah, and breathing and then going back in. You got to be a different kind of athlete to be able to do that. I don't know if I've ever been able to manage it. I can do it for 50 meters, but then after that, I'm way <laughs> too tired. tired. I'm way too tired. I can't do that. Uh, what is your school of thought? Because I love the Olympics, Summer Olympics, love. Olympics. I watch them. Summer all Olympics. I, I I turned off the Brewers White Sox game yesterday to watch, to watch the Olympics. Back. Me too. Because it was it's that electric to me. I just love the competition. Me I mean, it, it seems like a different battle every single second, and it's the pinnacle of sports. Also, we had a we had an argument. I have a question for you. Yeah, is Simone Biles? the best at her sport than anyone in the world is at their own sport. Yes, absolutely. What's her vertical? It's got to be like 50 inches. A lot. Her vertical is... She dominated those other women in on the beam. Dominated. Here's the thing. So on her dismount on the beam, you saw she took three major steps back and she still got one of the highest scores. Didn't even matter. Right, because she's just going so high. It doesn't need to be perfect on the dismount because everything she does, nobody else can do. And that's why she's the best in her sport. She's better than anybody else that's ever been a gymnast. And she's better at gymnastics than anybody else has ever been at any sport. It reminded me that if Zach Levine went to a high school gym and played them in a dunk contest and they had to rate it on just completely different scales. Right. And she's doing that at the Olympics with the greatest gymnast in the world. Exactly. It's remarkable. If you played a horse on the beam or on the vault, Simone Biles could equal (laughs) any move done. Think about that. It's like Zach Levine in a dunk contest. If you were doing a horse of dunk contests, Zach Levine can replicate any dunk that anybody else puts on at at that high school or college level. At the NBA, it's a different story. But any Olympian in the world, any Olympic gymnast in the world, whatever they do on the vault, on the beam, on the uneven bars, anything, Simone Biles can replicate that perfectly and take it up a notch. Absolutely. Should we talk baseball? We probably should. Let's get into the Adam Frazier deal. Not Todd Frazier. Shout out the Olympics. Uh, Adam Frazier deal before we get into two versions of the top five managers in baseball, which will be cool. But before that, let's let's talk Adam Frazier. So let's talk Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier got dealt for three prospects from the Padres. Jack, you've seen some of these guys as a Fort Wayne tin tin cap guy. Yeah. Fort Wayne tin cap guy. Yeah. Tell me so, about it. Michelle Miliano is the one that I've seen in person. I have watched Tucapita Marcano do things in minor league baseball. I have also watched Jack Sawinski do things in minor league baseball. And I think the Pirates got a good return. Marcano, the Pirates are banking on him turning into an Adam Frazier type with six years of control. And that's totally a possibility. Is it likely? I don't know. Adam Frazier's really good. Marcano has more stuff to do, but his raw tools, he can hit the ball, he can run, and he can play center field if Brian Reynolds needs to move to a corner or get a night off. So he is much like Adam Frazier, where he is a second baseman and a really good defensive second baseman, 
but he can also play in center or play in left or play in right. He could even hop it short. Sawinski hits bombs. I think he's got yeah. 15 in double A. And Sawinski does have a high floor. He's a big leaguer, 2022, 2023 at the latest. Meliano is a reliever that the Pirates are banking on. And he threw really hard. He was running it up to 93 or 95, I want to say, as a 21-year-old, his last outing in Fort Wayne. But he's struggling with command a little bit right now. He's got to figure that out, but he's a strikeout machine. So it's a good return. I think Seems like mutual- a good return. It is. And, and I yeah. think it's a mutually beneficial trade. So you think, I mean, we got we to gotta give the people what they want who won the trade. The Padres right now. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to say that. If it was a three-month rental, I would say the Pirates won the trade, but it's also 2022 of Adam Frazier. And but this is what- also the best we've ever seen of Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier has not been this level of Adam Frazier in his career so far. So did the Pirates just cash in on a good first half? I mean, we think Adam Frazier will continue to do this for the rest of the year. For the rest of the year. And that, that's what they're banking on. 2022 can be a different story. But if Adam yeah. Frazier is the Adam Frazier he was in the first half through the postseason, then he gives the Padres a fighting chance to get out of the National League. And that's what they bought Adam Frazier to do. And we talked about this briefly. Our thinking was the Padres looked for the best bat on the market. They probably reached out to as many teams as possible. They reached out to Texas. They reached out to Texas for Joey Gallo. And it seems like maybe a deal wasn't good enough there between Texas and San Diego. So they said, you know what? Adam Frazier is the next best bat. Let's see what we can get. And they obviously made the deal. So my thinking is we had that big trade of Gallo and Gibbs, the Padres from McKenzie Gore. That probably won't, that probably just won't happen anymore. It seems like now they could still get a guy like Kyle Gibson, but Adam Frazier might be their big bat that they made at the deadline. That could be it for them. And how about AJ Preller holding on to his top four guys, not of selling off any of the top four? Gore, Abrams, Camposano, Hassel. He keeps those four. Those are the four in the system that have superstar abilities right now. More can pop up later. But those top four, he held on to the top four that he needed to hold on to, and they got better at the deadline. And Marcano is really good. I think he's going to be a pirate for a little bit. And Sawinski's got the possibility of being a good big leaguer. And Miliano, of course, has the possibility of being a big league bullpen arm. So we shall see. Time will tell. But I think right now it's a very even trade. Padres got what they needed to get out of it. And I think that it's not that drastic a drop-off from Joey Gallo. Obviously, Gallo I don't think so either. Is, obviously, Gallo is like a lot better than Adam Frazier. That's totally the Yeah, game. right. But, I mean, as a hitter right now, Adam Frazier is holding his own. But the thing is, Gallo is such a good defender in right field. And Frazier is a good defender in the infield. It'll be... I'll be curious to see how he plays in the corners. Because Trent Grisham's the center fielder for San Diego. No doubt. How will he play in right or left wherever they need him? It'll be interesting. And what's going to happen with Eric Hosmer? That's the next. That was what I was just about to ask you. What team is Eric Hosmer going to be playing for in the second half of the MLB season? Because that's the interesting one. Because we heard initially the teams that need a first baseman. I I go to the Red Sox, first of all. We think Anthony Rizzo is going to go to there. Yeah. I don't know where Eric Hosmer goes. Does that maybe dampen the market a little bit first base? I'm thinking also Carlos Santana with the Royals could get dealt. There's a lot of first basemen that might be out on the market, but what do you think? 
See, I don't think Eric Hosmer slots in that high because he's super expensive. Yeah, he's so expensive. God. So why would you give up things for control of an expensive guy when you can go get three months of Anthony Rizzo? I, I agree. And also Eric Hosmer loves grounding out. First baseman can't ground out anymore. First that baseman cannot be grounding out. No. But that's what he does. And it's it's infuriating to a lot of Padres fans because I think at one point he had like a 58, 57% ground ball rate. Which is very so he's bad. hitting basically every single ball on the ground. I mean, not basically. 57% of them, but that's a lot. It's a lot. It's too many. It's too many, especially when you don't have speed. Like a high BABIP guy, batting average on balls in play, a guy who hits the ball on the ground a lot is Timmy Anderson, who we love. But he just knows how to beat it out. Eric Hosmer doesn't have that speed. He's a, he's a he can't do it like he can. He's no, not he can't do it like he can. No. So that's why he's hitting in the 250. But he has been hot recently. But I don't want Padres fans to think that this is some sort of normal thing for Eric Hosmer, that he's going to be this kind of hitter. No, he won't be. Is Jake Cronenworth the first baseman of the Padres in the postseason is my biggest question. And I've got no idea because Cronenworth is a starter. I like he's an all-star. Jake Cronenworth is about it. He could start anywhere. Right. And the question is, does he stay at second? Does he move to first? Do they ship off Hosmer? Does Cronenworth go? I, I have no idea. That's the question that we need answered. And Jace Tingler will answer it. The manager of the Padres, spoiler alert, he is not on either of these lists. But here's how we did the top five managers in baseball. I said we did two lists. And we divided them into a track record list, which is the top five seasoned veteran managers in baseball, and a chapter one top five list. So they're in their first couple of years, still a ton to prove but it's starting off really well for them i like how we we did chapter one i let when you sent me that i was like chapter one that's it's got a nice ring to it doesn't it yeah and it's not necessarily chapter one for these guys obviously a rookie manager is not going to be here chapter one meaning the first quarter first third of the book being written on them as a manager so they might be in season five season six we've got a guy who's i think in season seven of his career that is in the seasoned veteran group but it isn't necessarily that because i think he's already proved himself as a manager i agree guys that that we're still trying to figure out what their identity is what the impact on their team is so why don't we start with the chapter one group Let's start with the chapter one group and you got the honorable mention, but I'm excited to get into these because there's a lot of good ones and and you can really kind of, this is our personal ranking, but I don't think if you moved around a couple guys, maybe slotted him before him, that we'd be that out that we'd be outraged because I think these are just our top five managers and we tried to narrow it down based on a lot of different factors, but this is what we came up with. Jack, you got an honorable mention to get to a guy that you know very well. We've got three honorable mentions, one for the veteran group, one for the chapter one group, and then one more that I know you're going to need to add here. But my honorable mention that I have in writing is David Ross. He's had the roster that he knew he'd get when he took the job the last two years. By all accounts, he's, he's made the transition to being a leader in the clubhouse as a player to being the leader of men beautifully he's got the respect a manager gets from guys he used to be teammates with which is bizarre shouldn't you still be burrowing up with these guys but that's not really the case right now 
there is a brother-like relationship with a couple of these guys, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, yes, because they all won a World Series together, but he has managed to turn himself into the manager. But now it's go time. He's going to have a different roster in a week. And how's he going to do? Interesting. He's going to write the next chapter. Do you want me to talk about my guy first before you get into your guy first? I do. So this is a man by the name of Aaron Boone, the head manager of the New York Yankees. He's actually been pretty good if you look at the win percentage. He's got two seasons winning over 100 games, and the Yankees are currently 51-47, and which may seem like a disappointment, but it's been a lot to do with the players on the field. It's hard to knock Aaron Boone when he puts in Chad Green, one of his best relievers, and Chad Green blows it. Or he puts in his guy who he's paying $20 million a year to in a role as Chapman, and he blows it. Then you go to Zach Britton, who's supposed to be one of the best relievers in baseball, and he blows it. So there are some decisions that Aaron Boone has made that Yankee fans fall on him for. But when I look back at it, it's like, what other decisions could he have made? I think Aaron Boone has done a really good job with what he's been given. Yes, the payroll is always outlandish but he doesn't tell you where to spend the money. Yes, the payroll is outlandish. I mean, you're paying Giancarlo Stanton $30-plus million a year. You're paying Garrett Cole $30-plus million a year. You're paying DJ. You're paying a lot of these guys a lot of money. That's not his fault. His What he's, his job is to do is to play the players that are given to him, and I think all of us as Yankee fans can understand that the roster as constructed is not a winning roster, and yet he's put together two seasons with 100-plus wins, made the playoffs, and done his job. A lot of Yankee fans are saying, bring back Joe Girardi, and I get it. Joe Girardi was awesome for the Yankees, but I don't know if you put Joe Girardi in the same situation as Aaron Boone that he does any better, and I think you can make the argument that with the new wave of analytics that Aaron Boone might be a better manager for the future. I mean, look at the Phillies. Are they that much better? Is their roster worse than the Yankees. I You can make that argument, but it's still really good. Close. And Aaron Boone has a better record in a tougher division. Yeah. I like that you brought up Aaron Boone because he's a guy that gets so much flack because he's in New York. So much flack. He's in New York. I That's what you have to expect. If you are Luis Rojas, if you are Aaron Boone, you are going to get a bunch of flack because you coach a team in the biggest city and the biggest market in the world. Not the biggest city in the world, Mexico City, but the biggest market in the world. Can I say one more? I also met Aaron Boone on the field when I was working for the Yankees. Um, I was doing, I was 19. I was an intern. Or no, no, I was 20. Nice guy. Such a nice guy. Like yeah. such, such a nice guy. He really was. He was so lovely. Like him and I were just chatting it up and he didn't care that I was 20 years old in a full suit in 100 degree weather in July. And he made a comment about it was like, hey, you got to get yourself some water. Like he was just so nice and he didn't need to be at all. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have told that story if he was a dick. I wouldn't have told that story if he was a dick, (laughs) but But he's not. He's a great dude. I love the man. I think he's an awesome guy. Okay, now we get into the top five of this chapter one. Young, relatively speaking, for managers, but showing that they are going to be really good managers for a really long time. And we start with the fifth best young manager in baseball. It's St. Louis's Mike Schilt. And I'm a massive fan of Mike Schilt. 2019 NL Manager of the Year in year two at the helm of the Cardinals. 
He gets his clubhouse. He leans on his vets, Yadi Molina being the most notable. He gets his young guys to blossom for him. Dylan Carlson has turned into a beast. He has massaged Harrison Bader into being a very solid baseball player. Tommy Edmond, Paul DeYoung, he helps them grow, and he backs up all of his guys. The Giovanni Gallegos hat thing made me fall in love with Mike Schilt. Mike Schilt is calling him manure is mean because that word just out, but uh, the fact that he is so impactful in the growth of the team, is that what manure does? Yeah, I think manure so. does that. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm calling him the manure, even though he's that feels negative. Yes. But it's not. He's manure, but he's not shit. <laughs> he's manure, but he's not shit. <laughs> Moving on to the fourth best young manager in baseball. It's Craig Council of the Milwaukee Brewers. Can we get Craig Council a manager of the year award this year? I mean, his team owns one of the best records in baseball, yet they rank 19th in payroll out of 30 teams. In the last four seasons, he's finished second in the award twice. He's got a fourth place finish and a seventh place finish in last season. I mean, in those years, he had one losing year, and that was in the 2020 COVID shortened season where they finished 29 and 31. There is no doubt that Craig Council has an eye for pitching. I mean, he's helped develop one of the best rotations in baseball, and they have about a million arms in their bullpen who are so successful because of the situations that Craig Council puts them in. I mean, he's been so inventive with Josh Hader over the years, pitching in multiple innings, pitching him in the closer role, and he's been fantastic through it all. The Brewers have an outside shot at the pennant this year, so don't be surprised if Craig Council can lead them there. And don't be surprised if Craig Council is the NL manager of the year. He should be. He has one of the uh-huh. best records in the National League. Mm, that's Maybe. hard to say. The Giants. Yeah, I mean, Gabe Kapler might be the guy. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, you look at the Brewers lineup. I mean, Yelich has been out for a while. They haven't gotten the same production from some of their other hitters, most notably Keston Hura. And then you look at the starting rotation. I mean, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and then the bullpen. I mean, I keep rattling off names, but they're great. But it's like Craig Council is is the cog to get him there. He knows how to hire guys, too. Chris Hook came in in 2019, and Chris Hook, or maybe 2020, and Chris Hook, the pitching coach, has transformed Freddie Peralta. Said, "Throw your slider more," and he's throw it more. And he's one of the best pitchers in the game. Corbin Burns, throw your cutter more. Throw it. <laughs> it's so easy for Chris Hook and Craig Council knew who they needed, and they got their guy. And Craig leans on Chris Hook, and Craig Council is a wizard in terms of using Devin Williams, using Josh Hader, and then utilizing just wringing the towel dry of everything this lineup can give him with no low cane, with no Christian Yelich, with no really Keston Hura. He's got a lot going on. We talked about it on a previous pod. Um, You know, he's missing some of these valuable pieces in this lineup and, and he's kicking ass right now. And by all accounts, it seems like everyone in Milwaukee loves the guy too. Oh yeah. Like as a person. And I think that's important in a manager. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The guy's got to love you as like a guy, that trust, that trust that's there, that if you make a decision in the final moments, 
that your team won't think, uh, I don't know, and then perform like that. They'll be, you know what? This guy knows what he's doing. This is the decision, and let's roll. I'm sorry, did you say decision-making? Yeah, manager makes decisions. Yeah, our, our third best young manager is Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays, and Blake Snell, game six, is going to hang over his head until he wins a World Series. But Kevin Cash will have his third 90-win season in the last four years in 2021. In 2020's 40-20 and record, which is the lone non-90-win season over the past four years, was his best winning percentage of any of them. 40-20. and He's either a victim or a champion of the data-crazed new wave of baseball. And honestly, that's for you to decide. I like Kevin Cash. I like him too. That, that Snell decision is the thing that everybody knows Kevin Cash for now. And that wasn't the case before that game. And he, I, I actually think he has to win a World Series to get that monkey off his back. And it's funny. We were talking about Aaron Boone, about putting guys in position to win and going with your studs. And sometimes that's just baseball. He threw Nick Anderson right after Blake Snell. And Nick Anderson was the best reliever in that bullpen. So you think to yourself, you know what? I put it in the hands of my stud and it just didn't work out. And I thought Blake Snell would come out firing after that decision. I thought he'd take it to heart and I thought he'd think he'd take it kind of personally and really come out and be an absolute stud this year for the Padres. But he hasn't been. Yep. I think to myself, yes, it's very easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and to look back on that decision and say, but what if Nick Anderson gets those outs? We never talk about that decision ever again. Never. He's he's praised. He might be higher on this list. He might be the best manager on this list if it weren't right. for that. Right. But yet here we are. And here we are with the second best young manager in baseball. It's Dave Roberts of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dave Roberts, by all accounts, is the ultimate players coach. I mean, it seems like players just love playing for him. Some of his in-game decisions might be a bit questionable, and that's from Dodger fans. But sometimes you can't fault him because he just has so much faith in his players. Perfect example, he rode Julio Urias a bit more than people might have wanted in last year's postseason. But he was the guy to throw the final out to give the Dodgers a World Series ring. He has a 614 winning percentage three National League pennants, and a World Series ring, and he's only been the manager for six seasons. The Dodgers are still the favorite to win the World Series again this year, and Dave Roberts will be a big piece in getting there. And now that the monkey is off their back, I feel like they may be even more ready to win a World Series again this year. We'll see. We'll see what he does with Kenley Jansen and the Clayton Kershaws of the world and those type of decisions. But I, I talked to some Dodger fans about this, and they say they don't want anyone else at the helm right now. It's Dave Roberts' team, and they're behind him. Yeah, I, I'd be behind Dave Roberts, too. And if he didn't win a World Series last year, I probably wouldn't be behind Dave Roberts. But the fact of the matter is, he is more comfortable now that they won. And he looks like a manager with supreme confidence because this guy had the best roster in baseball each of the past three or four years. And yeah, it comes down to your decision-making in the postseason when you have the best roster in baseball, 
the past three or four years. And he finally proved that he is a great decision maker. And the decisions are a lot easier when you see what works. And it worked yeah. for him in 2020. That will make 2021 and moving forward all the more easier. And I think Andrew Friedman is just going to let Dave Roberts be the manager until he proves that he can't do it anymore. I don't know if that time is coming soon. I think it could be 10 years. Dave Roberts, I just think about when he stole that bag against the Yankees in the ALCS. That was our first glimpse of Dave Roberts. And now Dave Roberts could go down as one of those managers who wins three, four, five championships, and his name will be etched among the all-time greats for the history of baseball. And you say, well, he has the best team. He should win every year. He didn't always have the best team. And you know who also had some pretty good rosters? Don Mattingly had some pretty good rosters too in Los Angeles. Yeah. He didn't win anything. How about a guy that did win something in year one? Alex Cora, the best young manager in baseball and hate it all you want with the Houston stuff, but Alex Cora knows what he's doing. He's 45 years old and he's got a World Series ring after a 108 and 54 season his first year. As of Monday the 26th, he's got a 597 winning percentage and he's 11 and 3 in his lone postseason appearance. He's heading to another postseason this year. And the way he's managed this mysterious Red Sox team is unbelievable. And when he gets Chris Sale back, who shoved in double A this week, oh my, I I don't know if there's a guy more well-suited to handle this Red Sox roster than Alex Cora. It's plug and play with him. Let's go. I think it's plug and play with Alex Cora and any other team in the league. He knows this roster so well. He's a study worm. He eats up everything and i think that he's got a chance to be an all-timer unfortunately i agree you know what i feel like alex core does better than most managers in baseball i feel like he extracts talent like he extracts the best version of you yeah. nick pavetta goes over to the boston red sox and is having one of the best seasons of his career kike hernandez just one al player of the week has been fantastic for the red sox so far they trade away their best player in Mookie Betts, and they get back Alex Verdugo. Immediately slots in the left and is one of the better left fielders in baseball without missing a beat. Yep. Does that have anything to do with Alex Cora? Yes, The fact does. that developing Rafael Devers, making Xander Bogarts the second best shortstop in baseball, continuing to put J.D. Martinez in areas to succeed, Christian Vasquez making him better. Christian Vasquez was almost a nobody. Yeah. And now he's one of the better catchers in baseball. Alex Cora has that ability. And I'm not saying everything is you got to give it to Alex Cora. Because there have been Red Sox managers in the past who have helped some of these players. But it seems like it's all coming to fruition now with Heim Bloom at the helm and Alex Cora. I mean, that's a pretty good combo. That's a great combo. How about this? I think this is the best example of Alex Cora's imprint on the Red Sox as a fabric of a team. Garrett Richards, you remember what he said? I'm, I'm a 30-something. I'm not going to the Hall of Fame. My only objective on a nightly basis is to help this team win games. That is Alex Cora talking. That's Alex Cora talking. You got to love that, don't you? I love that. I love that mindset. Like a guy that is comfortable with who he is as a baseball player, Garrett Richards had no shot at the Hall of Fame. And the fact that he knows that is awesome. It's amazing. And, and that 
is you got to give up a little bit of your ego if you're going to win a World Series. Mookie yeah. gave up. Yeah, I don't even know if Mookie had an ego, but like he didn't. I don't think he does. <laughs> right. Xander Bogart's like, I don't think he's got an ego. And none of them do. None of them do. I don't think there was anybody on that World Series roster. Cora's first year. I don't think there's anybody on that World Series roster that had an ego. And with a first year manager, I think it's very easy to develop one. Cora didn't let it happen. And those guys love playing for Alex Cora. Do you want to get into the season, guys, now? Let's get into the season, guys, because there's some. There's some legends on this list. There are some legends on this list, but we start with two honorable mentions. One that has been a well-respected name in baseball for years. Another guy who is somewhat in between the young manager and the seasoned manager. We have to mention Joe Girardi. I know I didn't run it by you, but we have to. No, we do. We do. Joe Girardi is one of the guys, and he's so smart. He, he's so good at what he does. And yes, I know the Phillies are underperforming right now, but Joe Girardi knows what the hell he's doing all the time, whether it be with the Yankees or with the Phillies. He was a perfect replacement for Joe Torre. And, you know, I, I think he's headed in the right direction with Philly. I agree. He's a good manager. Is he one of the best in baseball not one of the top top but he should be mentioned in this conversation because he's been so solid now for so long he should be and i'm glad that he got another opportunity with the phillies because i feel like he got kind of short-sighted with the yankees and i think yankee fans in general are all all happy to see joe girardi do well because he did so well for us and was such a stand-up guy always had his players back i mean there i have so many memories of joe girardi rushing out to an umpire to save his guy, even when the guy didn't even do, did maybe too much. Yeah. But Joe Girardi didn't care. He was always on your side and he was just electric. He, he helps with atmosphere. And I feel like he's helping that with Philadelphia. Also, before we totally move on from the young guys, we do have to mention Gabe Kapler because the giants are doing exactly what they're doing. But like, this is the first year that Gabe Kapler has done, you know, really something of note. So we got to see a lot more from you. Gabe. We got to see see more. We got to see more. And uh, it, it might be Buster Posey doing all this <laughs> and, and Longoria and Brandon Crawford, but Kevin we, Gosman, we shall see Kevin Gosman. Yes. Second honorable mention. And this is a guy that, you know, you could classify as a young guy. We decided to say he's a little bit seasoned because he did get his managerial career going in the late two thousands. He also had a bunch of years rebuilding this Houston Astros team. And now he's in Detroit, AJ Hinch and love him or hate him. He knows what he's doing. Tough start to the career in Arizona in his 30s. Tainted dominance in Houston was the way that I thought it could be worded. And now he's about to head one of the more exciting teams in baseball through the back half of its rebuild and all this before he turns 50 years old. So with with the sheer amount of things that he's done and will do in the near future, I think he's a bit seasoned for 47, 48 years old. He is a bit seasoned, and this is a guy who I would love to jump on and be like, you're doing, now that you left Houston, a terrible job. But the Detroit Tigers are playing fantastic right now. And, I mean, they're not at 500 yet, but I think a lot of us expected the Tigers to be way worse than they are. And go look at that lineup. It doesn't really have anything in it, and yet A.J. Hinge still figures out a, a way to win on a consistent basis. And that lineup's going to have a lot more dudes soon. That rotation is going to be fully fleshed out. And A.J. Hinch is going to be the guy to grow that. And I think he can do it very effectively. I wonder if A.J. Hinch saw a young Houston Astros Mm -hmm. and thought, 
this is the next chapter. And that's why it's not chapter one for him. This is really the next chapter for AJ Hinch. So he's kind of one of these guys who you could put in our first list, but kind of fits better in our second list. Yes, absolutely. And now we break into the top five of the seasoned managers. And number five right now is Dusty Baker, the guy that pretty much replaced AJ Hinch in Houston. He's done it for a long time. 24 years in a dugout as a big league manager and a 534 career winning percentage. Only team that he has managed that had a clip under 500 with is the Cubs. And he was at 497 in his <laughs> four years. And he provided the best couple of years. His first two years in Chicago, that was the best couple of years that the Cubs had seen in decades. So I think Dusty Baker is deserving of being in the top five though not with crazy accolades he's just been consistently good for too long to be out of the top five too good for too long just one you think of an you think of managers in baseball dusty baker comes to mind oh totally and the toothpick yeah it just comes to mind he just seems exactly like what baseball is do I love his comments about the Astros? But no. he is supposed to back you know, side with back his guys. So it's it's very understandable. I just wish he wasn't on the Astros, but that's a personal thing. And I'm not going to judge him for being on the Astros because that's just a me thing. And I can't put my own emotions into this. But you know what I can talk about? The fourth best manager in baseball or the fourth best seasoned manager in baseball is Bob Melvin of the Oakland Athletics. This is my fourth. Current favorite manager in baseball. The man who produces so much, so consistently, with so little money and resources to work with. He's the longest tenured manager in baseball at the moment. The man has three manager of the year awards and three separate top five finishes. Let me just let his peers describe Bob Melvin. Bob is my favorite manager I've ever played for. Retired reliever Jerry Blevin says. I loved him to death, says retired pitcher Brand McCarthy. Bob, I'll tell you, he's the best I've ever coached for from Braves third base coach Ron Washington. I love Bob Melvin, retired Johnny Gomes says. I truly love Bob Melvin. The A's are currently 24th in payroll, yet they have one of the best teams in the American League. That sentence has been said almost every year for 11 straight seasons, and it continues to be the case to this day. Bob Melvin is the man. That was so sick. That was beautiful. What you Was just, that a good one? That was awesome. All the I quotes? Love that. Oh, my God. How about that research? You know what? I think this is more impressive than Katie Ledecky doing three. <laughs> See, I've been doing it in between. You know, I'm typing along. I'm typing along. Katie Ledecky's great, but me... <laughs> Uh, you'll never be Katie Ledecky. No, probably not. No, I'm not. I said probably not. I will not. I'm not even going to myself. Probably not. It's actually too late. Number three is Joe Madden. Currently with the Los Angeles Angels prior taking the Tampa Bay Rays to glory, almost like almost glory. And then taking the Chicago Cubs to full blown glory. I've got such a soft spot for Joe Madden. Me too. This like, he was analytics before analytics was analytics, right? Yep. Hard 90, try not to suck, do your <laughs> job. It's it, Joe is just an amazing guy 
from every account that I've heard, an amazing guy that gets immediate respect in any clubhouse that he walks into. And what he did with Tampa was astonishing. And then what he did with the Cubs, oh my God, how do you do that? This team didn't win a World Series for 108 years. You had everybody telling you that you could not do this. And he was the guy handpicked to do it. And he fucking did it. Just give him a pitcher or two in Los Angeles and he'll get you to the playoffs. Absolutely. You just need a pitcher. Like he, It's hard to manage a rotation led by Dylan Bundy. <laughs> like, led by Shohei, but Dylan Bundy. Shohei, but I don't even count him because is he? I guess he is leading the rotation, but he's also your right fielder and your DH and your best hitter. He's not your right fielder. So you also got to manage the Shohei Otani. He's done pretty well with that so far this year, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. the only player that we've never seen before and joe madden now has to manage him playing dh and pitching and it's going pretty well for shohei joe madden just he knows how to use his fingers on the game i can't he knows wait. how to press the right buttons yes use use his fingers on the game felt very weird press no but right in, a, in a non-weird way <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I can't wait until Joe Madden gets this Shohei for the back half of the year with a healthy Mike Trout. I have no idea what's going to happen with them. We'll see. And I can't wait. You know what I also can't wait for? What? The second most seasoned manager in baseball is Tony Larusa of the Chicago White Sox. The question we ask ourselves is what happened with Yerman Mercedes? Did his old way of thinking possibly get under his skin? It's possible. But Larusa has been one of the best managers in MLB history by implementing his way of thinking. So who are we really to judge? He's managed for 10 years in Oakland, winning three consecutive AL pennants and dominated the AL in the late 1980s with a 542 winning percentage. Move on to the 1990s and the early 2000s, where he managed the St. Louis Cardinals to a 544 winning percentage, bringing them two World Series rings and three National League pennants in the process. In total, he has 12 division titles and six National League pennants, six pennants, and is one of two managers in history to win a world championship for an NL team and an American League team. He doesn't have any major accolades yet with the White Sox, but they are one of the favorites this year. So if they do win, he may go down as the greatest manager in MLB history. That's a tall thing to say. There is a short list of people with his accolades. And you put him on a list where he's won three championships with three different teams. Mm -hmm. That's not a long list. I mean, you look at the Connie Max, the Joe Torres. Tony LaRusso wins. I'm not saying yet. If Tony LaRusso wins a chip, he's right there. He was a good manager for the Sox. Back when he first started managing like this is not for, for a lot of the younger fans, they might not know that Tony was the previous manager of the white Sox way back, way Way back back when, when he first started. Yeah. Way before either of us were born. Listen, Tony is a flawed protagonist for white Sox fans off the field. He's the hardest guy to root for. And on the field, he's had some inexcusable blunders, like not knowing the extra inning rule. But he's got six pennants. He's got the three World Series rings. And he could win it all with 
the three teams he's managed. That that is you can't get better. He just wins, man. Just wins. Another guy that just wins. I don't think it matters which list we're doing. This is the best manager in baseball. Terry Francona is the best manager in baseball. Tito is the gold standard. Three pennants, two World Series wins, and respect from literally everybody in baseball. He's a game over 500 with the Indians in 2021 as of this Monday, July 26th. And if he does finish under 500 with a team that might sell, we have no idea. That would be his first time doing so in his nine years at the helm of the Indians slash Guardians. He didn't do so in his eight years in Boston with his lowest win total with the Red Sox being 86. The last time Terry Francona managed a sub 500 team was with the Phillies in 2000. That's greatness. And that's number one. It's 2021. 20 years, years without managing a sub 500 team. Granted, he did have a couple of uh, couple year spurts of not managing, but that's 15 years of managing a baseball team in the 2000s and 2010s and even 2020 where he hasn't finished under 500. And another guy pulling a roster that you could argue is one of the worst in baseball and continues to just win. The fact that we're even talking about the Indians as possible buyers with that roster after they already sold Francisco Lindor, they already sold Carlos Carrasco, and yet here we are. And Shane Bieber's been hurt for a lot of the year too. JC Mejia pitches every fifth day. (laughs) And yet the Indians are here. They're only good. I mean, they have multiple good players but led by Jose Ramirez and then the Franimal. And then you got class A and Karen check. Here's the thing. Even if you leave Fran Mil Reyes on that team, if you leave class A and Karen check in the bullpen, if you take Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez off that roster, they're the worst team in baseball. They're the worst team in baseball. And Shane Bieber has been off the roster now for a while. Yeah. And we love Jose Ramirez, but, but do you think that, Tito ever had, you know, maybe gave Jose Ramirez a couple tips here and there to so. make him this kind of amazing player because he wasn't always. Are the Indians the, are. are the Indians the most top heavy roster in baseball with Bieber, Jose, Karen Jack, Classe, like, and, then and then everybody else. And then everybody else. Like, go through the Indians roster and tell me that Tito isn't a legend. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, go through that and tell me he's not. Oh man, this was good. I'm glad another good episode. I know we were hesitant to do managers because we were like, we like talking about fun things uh, and managers aren't necessarily always fun, but you know what? I had fun. Managers are kind of fun and they are going to have a massive impact on how the rest of the regular season shakes out and certainly how the postseason shakes out. So for Peter, I'm Jack. Talk to you Friday. Thank you, everybody.